Hello, Fight fans. Welcome to episode 234 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. For the week of August 29th, I am your host, Michael Montero, with Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel. Great show lined up for you guys. I really think this past weekend was the best weekend of boxing that we have had post-COVID. So correct me if I'm wrong in that, but I really do think last weekend probably the best weekend we've had since before the whole quarantine and everything. So we had some great knockouts. We had a knockout of the year. Uh, We had some just good performances all around from several different fighters that are part of the equation, right? Uh, Top level fighters. So it's good to see top level fighters getting back to it. So let's see in about, uh, I think like 10 minutes, we're going to have Raul Marquez from Showtime on the show. So he's going to call in. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then we got a ton of stuff to review and we got some uh, good fights to a really good solid fight again on ESPN plus to preview ESPN plus has a big weekend. They have actually a big week because they have fights from Wednesday all the way through the Saturday. So uh, let's head on some quick news items before I do that guys, just a quick reminder as always, please spread the word about the show. Best thing you could do for me if you want to get a question in, drop a super chat. Of course, we'll get to your question. But uh, then you can always support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Montero Unboxing. But best thing you can do for me is just spread the word about the show, man. Uh, thumbs up. Make sure that you click that notification bell on the Ring Digital YouTube channel. That way you never miss a live video. And then don't forget about my channel, Montero Unboxing, over on YouTube. Same thing. Click the notification bell. Make sure you subscribe to both and make sure you're supporting the show. Remember, we we post a recap of the show on ringtv.com every single week. Make sure you go over there too, all right? Because a lot of times I include quotes from you guys, the callers. So it's an awesome way to make it on ringtv.com. How many other shows out there in the boxing universe get the voice of the fans on there and in print on a platform like Ring? How cool is that? No other show's doing that, guys. We're doing it here. Okay. I posted a poll, one of my famous Twitter polls, right, this weekend. And I was actually really surprised at the results. So I asked you guys on Twitter, women's boxing ratings, do they belong on ringtv.com? Right now, if you go to our website and you click on the ratings page, we have all 17 divisions for male boxing, right? And then we have pound-for-pound ratings, too. So technically, call that a division. So we have 18 divisions, if you will. Top 10, so we have 180 fighters ranked on our ratings page. And we have, I think, the best ratings in the business. We have a multinational, uh, very, very diverse uh, panel that votes on our, our ratings. Young, old, every corner of the earth is represented. So I think it's awesome. But I asked you guys on Twitter, should we add one more, one more division, make it 19 on that page, and add a woman's pound-for-pound Ratings up there. I didn't say anything about rating all 17 divisions, just a woman's top 10 pound for pound. Now, I was surprised at this. 64% of you said yes, 36% said no. I thought this would be like 90 10. I really, really did. Given the wokeness you know, of, of Twitter and where we're at with uh, women's boxing, there's a big push behind women's boxing right now, not just here in the US, but internationally, over in the UK, obviously. We'll talk about Katie Taylor and Delphine Pierce soon, too, here in a minute.
But uh, there's a big push for, for women's boxing right now. So I thought 90 plus percent of you guys would say yes, but only 64% of you did. Uh, but anyway, Ring is going to start doing women's boxing ratings. So uh, that is coming and it's coming very, very soon. Anyway, I just thought that the results of that poll, they surprised me, man. I did not expect that. Truly, truly did not expect that. So um, by the way, guys, uh, toll free, you guys know the number. 213-267-7787 in the USA. In the UK, it's 02081-036051. Those are the numbers to call. But please, give us some time because I'm going to have Raul Marquez on here in a minute. So uh, call in after Raul's on. We're only going to keep him for maybe 15, 20 minutes because he's got a training session coming up. He's working with some uh, fighters down there in Houston. Uh, one more quick news item. And then I think Raul should be calling in about five more minutes. Uh, WBC mandates a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Avni Yildirim for the vacant 168-pound title. DeZone, by the way, wants none of it. So props to DeZone. Slow clap. Slow clap for DeZone for, uh, for saying, hell no, we ain't paying for that shit. But I find this interesting. And also, I should mention uh, David Benavidez, days after he was stripped, literally days after he was stripped for the second time, once for drugs, second time for missing weight. Days after this dude gets stripped, like five minutes later, he's rated number one at 175. He's never had a fight t- t- you know, technically at 175. I understand he's missed weight before or whatever, and he was above super middleweight. But he's never had a fight that was supposed to take place as in the light heavyweight division against a light heavyweight contender. Yet, he's suddenly rated number one at 175, and that vacant title at 168, boom, they, they sanction a fight for Canelo Alvarez. And I don't even think Canelo was in the WBC's top 10 ratings because technically he has a piece of the WBA title, which is bullshit. We all know what that is for his win over Rocky Fielding. Meanwhile, Mauricio Suleiman, and I tweeted the quote. I, I don't have the quote in front of me here. But he basically uh, said, is in relation to Alexander Povetkin's win over Dillian White this weekend, remember White has been the mandatory for, I think, over a 1,000 days. He's been the number one rated uh, WBC heavyweight for over a 1,000 days, dude. And uh, Povetkin just knocked him out. We'll talk all about that later on. I'm sure you guys are going to want to call in about that. But uh, Suleiman was asked about the heavyweight situation, WBC, the mandatory, all this. And he said, you know, there's really no timeline because we had a timeline for Dillian White. Yeah, right. Yeah, over a thousand days, dude. But we had a timeline for Dillian White. And now that, you know, Povetkin won, that blew that whole timeline up. So we got to do a whole new timeline. So there's really no timeline on that at all. Meanwhile, Canelo Yadiram for the vacant 168. And the dude who screwed up twice to get stripped. Number one at 175. That is the WBC working their magic, ladies and gentlemen. That is what the WBC does. Don't you love it? Oh, man. I I just, I can't believe it. All right, let's go over here. Let me make sure. Let me check one thing, guys. I want to make sure that this is Raul on the line because uh, I don't want to click. uh, Okay, I think it is. Okay, let's go over here to the guest line and click on. Let's see. Let's make sure. I believe this is Raul Marquez on the line. Mr. Marquez, is that you? Hello, you're on TNC. Go. Hello. I think you have me, bro, Miguel. Oh, is this Miguel? 
Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and put on Raul. <laughs> well, Raul's not on the line, so uh, go ahead. Raul is – oh, you know what? Raul's still – he's still going to be on for maybe five more minutes. So go ahead, brother. You got on before our hey, what's guest. Up, Mike? What's up, man? Speak up a little bit. Your phone's up, really Michael? low. What's up, Michael? It's, uh, it's me, Mel, Quinta Torres Jr., professional heavyweight, and I just wanted to comment on something that you said about Dillian White. Uh, he has been the number one contender. But how much times has this guy screwed up? That's the main question. Before the Pavetkin knockout, don't even mind the knockout. Before this, didn't he pop like twice? He did, bro. Yeah, and I'll talk about that later. I see Raul's on the line here, so I'm going to let you go. Miguel, if you want, call back later, All dude, right. because you bring up a great point. All right, I got you. And, um, yeah, Dillian White you. did screw it up, and he's actually turned down fights. I mean, he turned down a fight with Elise Ortiz. I think he turned down a fight against Anthony Joshua. So, yeah, we'll talk about that, bro. But um, call back later, all right? Yeah, we'll talk later. All right, man. All right, guys, I think our guest is on the line here. Uh, yeah, I think this is him. Let me check. Mr. Marquez, is that you? Yes, sir. What's going on, Mike? What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good. Thank you for uh, having me on. and appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being on, man. So let, let's jump right into yeah. this because I know you have a training session coming up in like 45 minutes. So I don't want to keep you too long because I know uh, work waits. Work is waiting there for you. So, um. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a group of basketball girls, you know. They're doing because I I own a boxing gym over here. It's more more like boxing fitness. So, you know, I train different uh, people for different reasons, uh, you know. And uh, I got a group of basketball girls that are uh, doing the boxing training because they know it's going to help them in their in their game, you know, for conditioning and stuff like that. So uh, that's what I'll be doing, man. And then I got uh, two boxing classes this evening too. Well, I run the classes. I, I usually do my run the run the gym when I'm in town and when I'm out of town. You know, with showtime, uh, I have someone else that runs it for me. So that's what's going on. That's awesome, man. That you're keeping busy with that stuff. I think that's great. Uh, and that's down there in Houston, right? Right, uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, actually, a, a small little town uh, suburb. You know, it's called Humble. I live in Kingwood, but it's Humble, Texas. So not too far away from the airport. Okay, cool. Well, man, I want to ask you, um, first thing I want to ask, because we're going to get into the Oscar de la Hoya thing, but you were on the 1992 Olympics in, in Barcelona. You're on the Olympic team. And right. I, yeah. that was the that was the year, the Olympics of the dream team, right? Where you had Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you had all those guys. What was it like just being Mark a part Green. of the Olympics? Yeah. Did like the dream team just dominate 100% of the attention over there? Because that's the way the media makes it seem here in the u.s uh yeah i would have to agree i mean i, mean, I agree with that because uh, it was big i mean it was the first year that the you know the professional uh, you know bat, the nba basketball players could play in, uh, in the olympics or compete and it was huge i mean everybody uh wanted to take pictures with them i was i mean i was there i was i got pictures with magic Barkley, all them guys um you know, being in the you know the Olympic Village and all that, it was right. it was huge. You know, and uh, but for me, you know, making the Olympic team, I mean, it's something that I started watching boxing. I started boxing in like in 1980, 79 to be exact. 79, 1980, I had my first amateur fight. But to make the story shorter, I don't want to make that long. Uh, when you know, when I won my first Junior Olympic tournament nationals. I was 15 years old, and I won the national during Olympics, and 
you know, back then I had already, that was in 87, and I had already seen, like, the 84 team, you know, coming up. Pernell Whitaker, Melvin Taylor, Evander Holyfield, all them guys. And uh, I was like, man, I want to go, I want to, I, I think I, I would love to go to the Olympics one day. So, you know, that's something that I really worked hard for many years. And, you know, in 89, I won the, the, the national open division, and I made the national team, and I traveled the world, man, for four years, from 89, 92. We competed against Italy. I mean, the, I fought the Russians. A lot of international experience I had. The Cubans, Canadians, Mexico. I mean, any country you could think, Yugoslavia, uh, Ireland. I was all over the world, you know, uh, competing and being on the national team. And uh, I won the nationals in different weight categories. I, I, back then it was 147, and then I couldn't make that weight no more. So in 90, 91, I, I moved up to 156, and I won the nationals there at 156. So... Uh, just, you know, making the Olympic team was, man, it was everything to me because uh, it's something I worked really hard, me and my father together and the whole Marcus team family, uh, just to accomplish that. Uh, it was huge. It was huge for the family, you know, for, for everybody. Uh, and, I you know, I, I earned it, man, because I fought some tough guys. And I'm sure you know this name, Lonnie Bradley, Antoine mm-hmm. Echols, Robert Allen. Those oh, are the yeah. guys that I had to beat. To, to make the, you know, at the Olympic trials. Yeah, dude, that was a different time, man. Island, I mean, yeah, making the Olympics and, back yeah, then, I, you, I, you you went through a bunch of killers. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of tough, even here, just locally, back then, the, the Golden Gloves was a lot of uh, tough competition, you know, the the, the state, you know, uh, going to the uh, state ABF, that's what the USA boxing, and, and they going to the nationals. It, now it's so different because you don't even have to win him. I mean, you could go straight from here to the Nationals and try to compete uh, and try to win Nationals. Back then, you, if you got eliminated locally in your association, that's it. You couldn't go. And then if you won, you went to the state. If you got eliminated there, that's it. You couldn't advance to the uh, to the Nationals. So it was a lot harder back then. It was a lot harder. But every time you, you know, if you got out of the state of Texas and you went to the Nationals, you had a good chance. You know, Texas always had some good fighters. You had a good chance of. Uh, Texas is you know, underrated, bro. Semifinals, finals, yeah. I, yeah. I I argue all the time on this show. Texas is, I think, the next hotbed of, of professional boxers out of America. I mean, I think it's already happening, but I think you're going to get even more out of that yeah. area. Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. That's a hotbed, bro. The Valley down in South Texas, you know, uh, McAllen, Bronze Brothers, man. They, uh, all over Texas, man. There's, there's a lot of hidden talent, you know. Oh, yeah. and there's a lot of good amateur fighters. Uh, you know, my son, my son, uh, Giovanni, Giovanni yeah. years old, uh, he tried to make the, yeah, he, he just won the other day. He tried to make the Olympic team for the, 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 the ones that are coming up soon, but he lost to the guy that, that had been on the team forever, like, uh, Tiger Johnson, a really good, good amateur. Uh, you know, he's like 23 years old, 24, had a lot of international experience. And, you know, my son gave him a hell of a fight. I mean, we lost, but he gave him a good fight, he had a good experience. And Giovanni's only 19, so he's, he's sticking around. We're going to stick around and, you know, this year he won the Golden Gloves here locally, got the Outside and Fighter Award again two years in a row. And then we were going to go to the state and try to go to the Nationals. But then, you know, the, the pandemic happened, the coronavirus right. deal happened. So, you know, we we haven't been, you know, that, that's not happening now. But in December, there's a big national tournament in Louisiana. So we're going to try to go up there. And he, he wants to, you know, he, he says he wants to grab that title, win that national title. And that's what, you know, and then from there, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe I can make it down for that. Uh, and, you know, Oh, you would love it, man. Dude, maybe, yeah, maybe I can make it down there. There's a lot of talent. I was going to say. That would be great. Uh, I 
I probably will be there maybe a couple of days, then I'm going to have to leave because we have a, I believe we have a show December the 12th, if I'm not mistaken. That's and that Donair Ubali fight, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the, That's they're, a great fight, man. Fight. They, 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 explosive fight, yeah. Uh, you know, Donair's 37, and the other guy's 33, I believe, 34, but he's a young, like, you know, he's, he's, He's well preserved, you know, as as I, as I call him. He's not that old, you know. He's not boxing old because I, I, he spent a lot of time in the amateurs. I believe he was he was like a he's a two time Olympic guy, Olympian. So that's, that's gonna be a hell of a fight. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I definitely want to get to that Showtime schedule because it's pretty damn good. But I gotta ask you, man. I saw your tweets. I, I want to ask you about this comeback <laughs> of Oscar De La Hoya. Are you excited? And uh, how you think it's gonna go? Well, I mean, Oscar's, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he said he's, he's coming back. Uh, he said it a couple of times, and I think it's getting more real now because it's, it's out. You know, I've been reading a lot about it, and I see him doing some training. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I mean, he, you know, we're, we both are in the same uh, age, more or less. Uh, you know, I believe he's, I'm going to be 49 uh, next, this Friday, actually. This Friday, I'll be oh, happy birthday, bro. And he's like 47, 48. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's exciting because Oscar, man, he I was saying that the other day on uh, Al Bernstein had me on his show, the show, the Al Bernstein Unplugged. And I was saying, man, when Oscar used to fight, I haven't seen that in my career. And I probably never, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, you know, in my timeline, like since I've been fighting or knowing about boxing. And I fought on a couple of Oscars uh, cards, you know, on pay-per-view, like two or three of them, two, I believe. I have never seen a guy, you know, captivate the audience, all kinds of audience, the way Oscar did, you know, in his time when he fought. I mean, the casinos were packed the week of the fight. I mean, you couldn't walk. I mean, not even, to me, not even Canelo uh, or Manny Pacquiao, and they're, they're, you know, those, they're big names. Right. They never, in my opinion, they never drew uh, a crowd and excitement like and just the whole. I agree. The show, you know, the like Oscar did, you know. Uh, and it, it didn't matter where he fought. I mean, he fought here in Texas, you know, in El Paso. Mm. Uh, you know, we fought in Vegas. So anywhere he fought, uh, it was a big event. It was a huge event. It, it was it was crazy, man. It was crazy, you know. The weigh-ins. I mean, of course, he had a, the the girls loved them, women loved them. Uh, it was. I mean, he, like, like I said, he he was a big draw. He was a big draw, and and when when he comes back, I mean, people people want to see him. They're interested in, in seeing Oscar fight. I mean, that's just that's the kind of a guy that the the, the charm, the whatever it is, you know, people um, have a hook with him. Okay, but you're being you're being a lot nicer <laughs> than you were being on Twitter oh, a few a, days a, ago. Hey, no, I'm a nice guy. Hey, oh, I know I'm you're a nice, nice guy, guy, but, but that, you had that, some that, language. That is a fight. Yes, that is, because I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, I'm, this is the truth about Oscar. Like, I, I respect everything the guy's done in the past, all that. He fought big names. Every time he fought, you know, but when he fought the big names, he, he most of the time he lost, right? But. And he fought smarter guys too, you know, Jesse James Leha, the late Arturo Gatti, Don Molina, a lot of smaller guys. You know, they they knew how to. Oscar's the golden boy. He won the gold medal. They knew how to move him up. They knew how to move him up. And I've always, 
you know, even back then when I called him out, I always wanted a shot at him, you know, because, uh, you know, he was a big name. And uh, I felt that I would, I have a style that, that could beat Oscar. You know, he's, I know he's got problems with left-handers. I know he's got problems with guys that take a good shot, that come forward, that go to the body, bang the body hard. Um, so Why do you think he never you know, fought you? I didn't get the fight when we were young. Well, that'll come out if he, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a mental, it's, I'm not going to tell you everything unless the fight ever happened. That'll all come out for the promotion, you know, but it's mental. You know, when, when Oscar, me and Oscar, we were roommates all the time. You know, we were, we were roommates all the time from when he made the team, he didn't get into the team till I believe in 90 or 91. I was already on there. I was an established guy. And, you know, he knew me. I remember to this day, we were in the dorms and at the Olympic Training Center. And he came up to me, you know, hey, Capasso, you know, like East LA style, I call it. You know, he was <laughs> what's going on, you know, hey, you Raul Marquez. And like, you know, he's, he's got his accent, you know, like everybody else does. But so he came out, oh, man, yeah. We, so we started hanging around, you know, because he knew of me because I had already won the Nationals and I was one of the top guys. I was, to be honest with you, I was the guy that got most of the media, you know, all the, all the media and stuff, you know, all the attention. And uh, so he knew about me, you know, because I was a really decorated amateur. So uh, when he, you know, we started hanging out. We started hanging out. And, uh, uh, you know, I was always, I want to say, I don't want to call it the bully, you know, but I, in, in, in our dorm, I'm the one that ran the room. You know what I mean? I'm, it was my deal. You were the I, alpha. You, know, you were the alpha. You know, pick that up. Pick that up. What's that? You you were the alpha. You were the alpha dog in that room at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, I was. I was. I really was. You know, anything. Now, I remember one time he pissed me off. I picked him up and I body slammed him on the bed. I said, man, don't mess with me like that no more. Don't play around like that. You know, so I was the bully, man. I was, <laughs> I was the guy. So, you know, we, we had fun. We we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, traveling all over the world and, and you know, uh competing against different countries and you know we were roommates you know all the time and anybody else on the team could tell you Montel Griffin uh um Sergio Reyes Pepe Riley uh, you know the, the late Vernon Forrest you know it was a great team you know but I, all of us could tell you man if you saw Oscar you saw me if you saw me you saw Oscar that, that's how close we were you know uh well when did, when did that change did it just why, change when he went pro why yeah you know you know yeah, yeah, people change, you know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, things change, you know. I don't know if it was him or the people around him. Uh, and I found out other stuff too, you know, from other uh, teammates from the past, you know. But we don't need to be talking about that, you know. It'll, it'll, if a fight ever happens, it'll all come out. But you know, so I, I think it's mental, you know. But I, I could tell you, Bruce Trampler, who was a matchmaker, you know, you know, you know Bruce Trampler. Yeah. He told me many years ago why Oscar De La Hoya didn't want to fight me, and you know that's the. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you why, but it, it'll, 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 it'll come out. If, if we ever do fight, it, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I know he went down the list, you know, he, my name was Oscar, but he, he, at that point, for whatever reason, he wasn't no part of me. He said, no, I don't want to fight Rowan. So back when Oscar was with top rank and Bruce, of course, was matchmaker over there, they, uh, they did offer yeah. up your name and he said, no. Nope. Go on to the next guy. See who else is hmm. there. But you're calling about now. So I want to make this clear because we got we got listeners, we got Absolutely. viewers from all around the world. You're calling Oscar out. You want to fight him now if he's coming back. I would love to fight Oscar. 
I would love he's coming back, you know, make up his mind that look, you don't need to fight no I I just what I read La Maravilla, like I saw La Maravilla the other day. Right. That guy doesn't know I mean he, he he's not gonna sell the fight, first of all. He he's too nice. He's too nice. Okay? And yeah, he's you know, he got himself in shape, you know, he looks slow too. Like, you know, most of us are probably gonna be slower than before. Uh then he wants to fight American, American, I mean he ain't got no chin, you know. Uh right. I, I just think, you know, it's a fight that I wanted a long time ago. And I would love to fight him now at this age. Uh, we're what both. That, that's the only fight that I would come back for. I mean, we're both at the same age. Uh, what weight? What, what, what weight would you weight? fight at? We, 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 uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, if he's interested, I mean, they they know how to get a hold of me. If they, you know, I, I'll I'll try to make whatever weight they they want. You know, hopefully he's not no one forty seven, one fifty four, because that that's not gonna happen. But but we'll see. Let me ask you this, I, yeah, man. I would, I would love, at this at this age and at this time, that's the only guy that I would fight uh, because it's you know we're both decorated amateurs. I mean, we're we're well known in the boxing industry. Right. He, you know, he won the gold medal, of course, and you know he he went on to greatness, won a lot of titles and all that. And you know, I was a world champion too. Uh, I fought some big names too, and then it's it's a fight that's very sellable. You know, we were Olympic roommates and teammates on, on the national team and now like i said it you know 28 later 28 years later we will meet in the ring you know and settle our differences <laughs> yeah okay you're you're keeping it real professional t- today raul because when we talked on the phone <laughs> last weekend you had a much different tone all right uh but i i get it i know because people from showtime listen don't to worry, the show don't worry yeah well and, and the fight happens you know You'll see well, then you can let it all out, right? Let, let me ask you this, man. When is the last time you talked to Oscar? When is the last time you've actually spoke with him? Oh, man. I don't talk to him, man. I just, you know, we've been in the same area before. I think uh, the last time I saw him, uh, Jojo Diaz was fighting in the East Coast, I believe, one of the casinos, you know, and I do the Spanish for the big fights. Jojo Diaz, who was he fighting? I'm trying to think who he was fighting. I, I don't recall, but he's fighting the East Coast, and I, and I believe uh, he lost. Who was Jojo Diaz fighting? I don't know if you want to look it up, but I can check it out. Um, yeah, and also was sitting on the other side, and you know, <laughs> you know, he knows where I'm sitting at. He he knows, you know, and never looked at me, not even once. He didn't even look at you. That's the last time <laughs> I saw him. No, no. Is it when he fought Gary Russell? Is it when uh? That's uh, it. In, uh, That's it. That was it. Right. Yeah, in D.C., okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was there, you know. He was there. I mean. Because that was I, showtime. I, I see yeah. a lot of my, yeah, I see a lot of my teammates, Larry Donald. I've seen him in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I've done Adrian Broner and Tim Austin. You know, we all, hey, what's going on? And, you know, they come up to me because they know where I'm at. You know, it's easier for, for, for them to find me because I'm not there doing the broadcast in Spanish. Uh, Montel Griffin, every, you know, we, we, you know, I've seen him as a couple of amateur tournaments in the Nationals with my son. They come up to me. We talk. We we talk on the phone. We FaceTime on Facebook, Larry Donald, the other guys, a lot of them, you know. We message each other. Anyways, yeah, so, yeah, he was there. And, uh, <laughs> look, we were we were roommates. We were good buddies, man. And, and uh, we did a lot of stuff together, you know, besides boxing, you know, like, we. A lot of dumb stuff? I, I've been to his, I, went, I went to his house. What's that? I was gonna say a lot of dumb stuff together. I mean, hey, you know, did you guys get into some some uh, no. crazy situations or just you know hanging out? Because I'm thinking two young guys, no, 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 you no, know. just hanging out. Okay. Yeah, just 
just hanging out, just hanging out. Uh, you know, I was at his, uh, you know, at his house. I know all his family and stuff. You know, his his uh, uncle or uh, Adrian that did a lot of publicity for him back in the amateur days, but he's not involved anymore. Uh, you know, his brother. I, I I talk to his brother. We text every now and then. His brother's an so, awesome guy. Uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, yeah, yeah. He's he's a nice. He's guy. an awesome guy, man. Me, I love me, him. me and Joel really. After yeah yeah I agree the 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 after well to tell you after the Olympics you know like when when once I lost uh, man meanwhile did a lot of partying in Barcelona <laughs> we partied a lot after I got eliminated in the quarterfinals <laughs> uh, we we partied a lot man and we hung out a lot and uh, so yeah that that was that's the last time I seen him but talked to him man I couldn't tell you I'm gonna say when I you know when I fought Fernando Vargas. Okay, Shit. Oscar allowed me to use his uh, his gym up in Big Bear. He, he he let me use it, right? I got I, me and my father went up there. We trained up there because we we're finding Reno high altitude. So the last time that I heard for, that Oscar called me the next day or the following day, all he wanted to know was like, did Fernando hit hard? Is he fast? Is he this? He just wanted to know stuff about Fernando. That's it. He didn't call and say, hey, how you doing? You feel good? You're okay? Blah, blah, blah. No, he just wanted to know about uh, Fernando. And then, you know, I told him what, what I felt about him. And then uh, yeah, he, he ended up fighting Fernando. So that, wow. that, I think that's the last time I spoke to him. Man, so that's like 20 years happened. probably. That's got to yeah, be like almost 20 years ago. It's been a while. Man, oh, man. Okay, so, I, you know, I, I know there's more there. I know there's more to this, but I know you can't go into it oh, right now. I understand. more, man. There's, there's yeah, lot. yeah, yeah. I know you're holding back. I feel you holding back. I know you just want to go with it, but you're being professional. You keep, I get it. You keep pecking at me. You keep pecking, yeah, you keep pecking at me, but, but oh, I'm not, not going to let it out. I know you want me to let more out, but, you know. You have a job to keep, so job, I know. Man. We'll, we'll, uh. <laughs> Let's talk. Okay, let's let's talk about this schedule at Showtime, man. We you guys announced a loaded schedule uh, to to round out, you know, the, the right. last part of the year. Which fight on that schedule excites you the most? Um, I well, there's a couple, you know. I mean, you know, I I, I got a you know a place in my heart in some kind of way for the Taro brothers because they're here from Houston, right? You know, so they're fighting that uh, big pay per view. Uh, in, in September, yeah, September the 26th, 27th, whatever that date is. Um, and, you know, like I've always said, in boxing, you got you have uh, contenders, you have champions, and you got superstars. So they they already been contenders. They have, you know, they're, they're champions, well-established champions. They're well-known because, you know, they've, they've done a great job of uh, marketing themselves. And Showtime has to, you know, as the twins, you know, they both need each other because people know them as the twins. That's the way they're promoted. And uh, I remember them, like, back, you know, I used to train at Willie Savannah's gym, uh, who recently right. passed away. He's a right. local trainer who who had Juan Diaz and all that. Right. Uh, I used to train there, and I remember those little kids, man, when they were little. They were, you know, the, and I just, they would always come. They never won big national tournaments. It's not like you could say they were decorated amateurs, but they always stuck to coming back and training hard, you know, just their their work ethic. You know, I, I would see, you know, that they, they wanted it, so. Uh, I knew that those guys would make it somewhere, and look where they're at now. So now they, they they're fine on pay per view, and uh, they're on paper, man. They're they're both of them have got probably the toughest test to date. You know, Jermel, oh, yeah. uh it's fine Rosario, right? 
and Jamal is fighting uh, Derevinchenko, man. They're, they're some tough, tough uh, opponents. And I think if both of them win uh, in, you know, in good fashion, you know, make a big statement, look good at doing it, uh, they could get there. They could they could get to you know pay per view status. You know the bigger you know super superstar status and you know fighting more often on pay per view. It's possible. What do you feel about the the health of Showtime boxing overall? And I, I know it's a loaded question. And if it's too risky to talk about this, we can skip it. But you know the last couple of years, Showtime boxing has been criticized because a lot of the bigger PBC fights have gone to Fox pay per view. Now that changed this year, so so does that make you feel more confident going forward that the future at Showtime Boxing is solid? I'm always. I mean, you heard Steven Espinosa. I mean, I, re, I listened to his interviews and stuff, and uh, I never. I mean, the communication that he has with us, you know, with the talent and stuff. I never felt that Showtime Boxing was going to go. Even you know after. Uh, last year that maybe you know we didn't have the big fights and all that mm-hmm. but it never crossed my mind uh you know yeah you read you read a lot of uh, about uh, a lot of people talking that uh showtime's going down but i've never i mean he always made us feel comfortable like i mean showtime is here to stay for a long time and showtime's not going anywhere that's that's pretty much not every you know what i have to say about that because i never felt that we were in danger of you know maybe not doing any fights or you know i i, I do show box you know, uh, and, you know, that's a, a good platform, you know, for up-and-coming fighters. Uh, you know, they usually take their first loss on there. And, you know, we I think we developed, like, over 80, 80-some champions that came out of right. there. So, uh, I love Showbox. There's always going to be boxing on Showtime. Yeah, there's always going to be. I mean, it's a, sometimes it's the best fights, man, because those guys want to get to the big ones. They want to get to right. the big paydays. They want to be on the big show, you know, but. Uh, we we had a lot of guys. I mean, that, that came through there and now are, are you know uh, world champions and are fighting the, on a bigger stage. Well, brother, I, I think that you're one of the best in the business. It, it's it's been an honor to have you on, but I know that you got a training session coming up, so I'll let you go here in a second. I just want to ask: uh, Is Giovanni is he on social media? And if he is, could you give his? Do you have his link or anything so that the the listeners to the show could start following him and his journey? Yeah, he's. Uh, let me see, my son Giovanni Marquez. He's. Uh, and just uh, for people listening, yeah, Giovanni just, is with two ends. Yeah. Giovanni with two ends. Yeah. Yeah. G e. I mean G i o b a n n i. Dot Marquez M a r q u e z. Okay. That's his, uh, uh, what do you call it, his Instagram. And then he's got Facebook, too, Giovanni Marquez. Uh, I mean, you can find me. You can find him on my Facebook. He's got Twitter, too. Um, you can find it under Giovanni Marquez, too, I believe. Um, you know, I think I, I've tagged him on a couple of my Twitters and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's, I, I mean, my son, I think he's a, he's a pretty good fighter. You know, he's, he's, he's got really He's got a lot of potential, and, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah, boxing is yeah, yeah, boxing is tough, you know, but uh, I think uh, th- this could be his year, you know, we're going to try to win, you know, well, he's going to try to win the national, you know, that's his goal, you know, he wants to win the nationals and you know, maybe get on the national team and start competing more. But uh he's really, you know, he's very disciplined, he stuck to it, he trains hard. Uh his style is very different from my style, you know, I came forward, you know, to attack all the time. He he mixes it up, you know, he's got a, a 
really good movements. He switches from left to right. He's a, you know, I would, I would call him a boxer, counter puncher, and also can be aggressive at times. Uh, he really uses the jab really good, knows how to dissect his opponent. And, you know, the jab is very important in boxing, you know, but, you know, I, I always tell him, use your jab, man. Use it. The more you use it, the better. Even if you're just touching the guy, just to get that, you know, find that distance, you know, and just always right. keep that guy thinking, you know, you don't know what he's going to do, you know, just pop it in his face, you know, pop, 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 and then you go from there. But, you know, he does like moves that I couldn't do when I was fighting. Uh, he just has that, you know, it's natural, you know, he moves from righty to lefty and lefty to righty without even noticing, you know, like when he does it. So, uh, good angles and, you know, he's, I'm telling you, he's, he's pretty good, but, you know, we're, we're working hard and, you know, my dad's working hard with him. Um, and we'll see what happens in the future. But he's, he's, he's a good little boxer to be on the lookout for. Awesome. We'll do that, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Raul. Uh, have a good night uh, training at the gym. And we'll have you back on soon, brother. All right? Hey, it was an honor. And, uh, you know, thank you again. And uh, we're down here. You know, we're hoping the, the hurricane doesn't I know I know Marco's not going to hit, but now they're saying that Laura uh, oh, is on shit. his way to Houston. So, uh, we'll see. Well, all right. Well, be safe. Somewhere. We had always something, Harvey, right? Man, so I don't. Yeah, always something, man. Always something. That was that, that's you know the coronavirus. You know, we, I know, man. Already, I guess adapted, adapted to you know circumstances. I mean, you know, just live. You know, the new normal. That's the way it is. So yeah. But uh, I don't think we want to deal with a hurricane right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> the last thing we need. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. Have a good night, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the great Raul Marquez. Again, I think one of the best in the business. And personally, I think when Showtime uh, caught Pauli Malignaggi, which, you know, however you feel about that firing, I thought they should have bumped up Raul Marquez to Showtime Championship Boxing to their crew. He does awesome on Showbox, but I think he, you know, he should be brought up to the the A-team, if you will. Not that I would call Showbox the B-team. I'm just saying those are the biggest fights Showtime does. And I thought he would have fit right in. He's one of the best commentators in the business. Funny guy, man. Uh, and, you know, he was definitely pulling back, holding it back a little bit with the Oscar talk. Me and him talked on the phone a few days ago when I was just confirming with him if he could be on the show. And uh, he let it rip. I mean, he's got some strong feelings about Oscar. Uh, but, you know, you understand why in a public space he's got to pull that back a little bit. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. All right, look. Um, we got a couple of calls already. So I'm going to jump to these calls right now real quick, guys. We'll get to news and notes. We'll do the review preview. But because there is such great action last weekend, it was the first really, really great weekend of action since, what, March? February, March? So it's been damn near six months since fans really had something to talk about. So we're going to jump to the phones real quick. I'm expecting a lot of calls tonight. It's just going to be that kind of show. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, jump to 559. I think this is Miguel again. Is this you, Miguel? Yes, sir. This is Miguel. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. So I know you got some words about Dillian White, so go. Okay. Um, for all those, you know, hearing and everything, for a quick second, don't even, don't even, don't even have the Pavekin knockout of him in mind. Just Think about this, right? Because this guy's over here on, on BT Sports as begging Eddie Hearn for a rematch with Povetkin, and I guess they got it or whatever because they knew that Russian was dangerous. But how many times has this guy messed up? And on top of that, whatever happened to Oscar Rivas? Didn't he get his ass beat by him? And he never even rematched him. 
So if you ask me, he's clearly out of the top ten. The guy's still whining and complaining. Uh, if you ask me, he's he's not up to par. I mean, you, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, Povetkin tested dirty or this and that. Yeah, he did. The Russia did test dirty, but look what he did after that. Look who he fought. Look at the level of competition he fought. Look at look how much he fought, you know? He kept kicking ass, and he got to where he got, and, and he deserved it. So, if anything, both of them tested dirty, so it was an even match all around. Yeah. You know, they're both known users. And uh, he got what he got, which is uh, called Boxing Karma. And especially in heavyweight boxing, you can't you can't do that blueprint for Mayweather type shit. You just can't do it. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I like that boxing karma. That yeah, bro. A lot of people share your point of view, man. Uh, and I understand. Like Dillian White has talked a lot of shit, and I feel bad because the WBC kind of did him dirty. But at the same time, you're right. He has passed up opportunities. He has talked a lot of trash, and that's kind of karma biting him back. Had he beat Povetkin, okay, he moves on. But now that he lost, and he lost the way he did to Povetkin, that's going to be tough to rebound from, man. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. I mean, and every loss is tough to rebound from. I just think that the higher the level, especially in heavyweight boxing, you just can't play those type of games. You know, you just can't, you, you can't get lost in the camera too much and doing this and that for, for the promotion. And right now, all it is is promotion. There's no fans right now. People got to remember, so these fighters are going through so much pressure right now. The ones that are fighting, the ones that get to fight, and it's basically the ones at the top level, you know. And I, I, I got to everyone. It's, it's all a mental game, man. Even even these guys that are giving you all this money through checks, man, they're not your friends. <laughs> they're your business partners, you know. And you got to treat them as such. Because look, they got in this guy's head. I don't even think he looked that much in shape, to be honest. He looked the most in shape when he fought Anthony Joshua. After yeah. that, he's yeah. he's always fluctuating. People are talking about his jab, this and that, but I mean, he, he got KO'd the way he did for a reason, you know what I mean? Because I, I believe he wasn't even that much in shape. I think he took the guy lightly. So, yeah, I think he took him lightly too, man. You know, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought Povetkin was on the way out, and I think he took him lightly. He uh, let off the gas pedal for a minute, and he paid for it, you know? Yeah, that's the thing about Povetkin. I tell myself, ah, if he does lose, no surprise, but He's going to give him one hell of a test. I'll tell you that much. I told people he's, he's rocked everybody he's fought, even the ones he's lost against, you know? So, yeah. All right, Miguel. I got a lot I of calls, man. I got to. God bless you, man. You have a good show. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good night, man. God bless. Bye. Okay, let's jump over to another quick call. Then we'll get back to some news and notes. 813, you're on TNC. Go. 813, you're on the show. Michael Montero. What's up? JP. JP, how you doing, man? Hey, man. I'm doing well. I don't know if you know. I follow you on Instagram. I um, I was the one that posted that comment talking about how Povetkin might knock out Dillian White. Oh, yeah. Hey, around. you called it, man. Everyone... Legit, because a lot of people now are saying, "Oh, I called that shit. I knew Povetkin was gonna." They're all full of shit, but you actually did call it. You, you, you called it. So I, I give you credit, sir. Very well done, bro. So here's the thing, right? So like, I'm a huge boxing fan, but I don't view boxing from the same eye as everybody else. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm calculating. I'm, you know, trying to figure out certain fighters, like their, um, their instincts, what they like to do what they don't like to do and i just felt like Povetkin had a had a great chance a great chance of beating him but um i don't know man it was kind of funny because i actually said it this week like i just want somebody to knock the fuck out of dillian white 
and sure enough, <laughs> you're not uh, alone. You know, I saw your reaction on the the the, <laughs> the picture that you posted. That was a nice, same exact reaction. I was like, holy shit! Yeah, that that man. I did not like. You're talking about uh, the the live fight video I did. Where uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, I just you know I'm one of those guys that when I'm surprised, I make big eyes and my face looks crazy and it's twice now i've done that in my live fight commentary and those photos those save screens go get all over twitter and instagram and like at first the first time it happened like i was like shit i was all pissed off but now i just laugh at it it's just funny you know it's just that's just the way it is man so i'm sure i'll make more faces like that it's just going to become a thing with me where people uh show my crazy face but i think the thing is like you said, man, everyone made that face in that moment. That was shocking, dude. Dude, believe it or not, I know I made that prediction, but holy shit. And what's right. up with that, uh, that the, the result of that fight being listed as a TKO on box trick? I just think that's just a sketchy. I hate I that. that. Yeah, so the reason why in certain jurisdictions, and this is another one of those rules boxing has that I think is so damn stupid that they need to change. If the ref doesn't literally count to 10, it's a TKO. So when White went down, you saw the ref. I mean, he maybe gave it like half a second, and he was like, oh, hell no. He waved it off instantly, right? So technically, that goes Uh in the books as a technical knockout, when clearly it was a knockout. I mean, he was out for way more than 10 seconds. So that's just one of those rules in boxing I can't stand. I learned something new right now because I thought my idea was like if the guy goes out, that's a that's a KO. You know, if they count him out, that's a KO. And you could have counted to thirty, he was still he was still gonna be Exactly. Down. You know? Yeah. So then they're talking about a rematch in November, which is also super sketchy. I mean, you can tell that it's not in the US because in the US if you get knocked out, you go unconscious, don't they revoke your license for one year? Not one year. Uh, there's a certain, it depends on the jurisdiction. Uh, California is probably the best about it where they immediately suspend you, but it's, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's a certain period of time where you can't even spar. You're not even supposed to train guys. Don't listen. They still go to the gym anyway, but you're not supposed to spar and you're not supposed to fight within a certain time frame. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. November is kind of a quick turnaround. I'd rather see it December, January. We'll see. I don't it, honestly, dude. Do you need to see an immediate rematch? I personally don't. I don't either. Yeah. I don't care for it, to be honest. I mean, it was a good fight. It you was know, a damn um, good fight. But I, I'd rather see both guys move on. But we're gonna get it again. And I think with Eddie Hearn, I think Eddie Hearn know knew something all along. And I think now everyone's starting to see it. I think Dillian White does have punch resistance issues, and. If you catch him with a shot he doesn't see coming, which, look, that that uppercut from Povetkin, that would have KO'd 99% of the guys. Okay, let's be fair. But Perfect. I think Eddie Hearn, just a, as an insurance policy, was like, if we lose, we're doing an immediate rematch. Because I got to tell you, dude, right. I'm going to favor Dillian White in the rematch. Dillian White was winning this fight. He just got caught. Povetkin's still old and past his best. And Dillian White should, on paper, beat him. He should. Right. I I agree with you. I think that Dillian White, you know, he's a, he's a rugged fighter. He's not like a, you know, like this all-star, you know, does everything great fighter, but he's really tough. You yeah. know, he's really rugged, can rough you up. Typically doesn't get hit that much, but when he does get hit, he gets hit clean. 
Yeah. You know, no, and I, I think that's what happened Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you, bro. You know, um, I just want to see a resolution in the heavyweight division. Like, you know, what what's going on with Deontay Wilder? I don't know, man. I, I it's 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 hard to say. My thing is, if if Deontay Wilder and, and his promotion, his management, if their position is we ain't fighting until there's a damn crowd and we can get ticket sales, then just say that. Just say that. But all this up in the air, maybe we're fighting in December. You remember when Fox, uh, PBC and Fox announced their schedule recently, there was a couple of days where they're like, there might be a PBC on Fox pay-per-view in December. They kind of left it up in the air. Well, that would be... The, the third fight between Fury and Wilder. So they're all leaving it open in the air right now. I, I just, I hate that. It's it's like, do something with that date or don't. But it, but quit, you know, exactly. stringing us along. But it's looking more and more like that fight ain't happening this year, bro, which which sucks. Yeah, and I think it's time that we see an undisputed champion in heavyweight. I mean, the last oh, yeah. time we saw that was like, what, way back in 05 with um, Lennox Lewis? Yeah, and even Lennox didn't have all the belts. But Lennox, that's an interesting thing. I, I think, like, for all the belts, now correct me if I'm wrong out there, guys, on the chat, but for all of the sanctioning organization titles, you might have to go back to Tyson. Because I want to say with Lewis, now maybe Lewis briefly had all of them, but I don't think he had the WBO. I don't think he ever had the WBO, but they'll correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. So um, it's been a long time, dude. Yeah, um, another topic that I wanted I wanted to hit real quick. Sergio Martinez came back. Did you happen to catch that fight on Saturday? You know, a lot of people watched that. I thought about it, but I'm like, you know, dude, I just can't support this. I, I did not, I did not watch it. Um, but I'll check it out eventually. Look, it's his life, but it's just it's not going to end well if he goes in there against a top dude. But did you check it out? What did you think? I saw it. I mean, I thought he looked. Clearly, you know, just slightly older, you know, a little, a little more soft, I guess you can say. But I mean, the same style, same hands down, hands down type of, you know, style that he normally fights in, um, can still punch. You know, he kind of TKO'd the guy in like four or five rounds, I want to say. Okay. But uh, the reason I bring this up is because uh, you, I know you heard about Oscar De La Hoya talking about he wants to come back, right? And he wants to come back and compete at 154. Yeah, that's what I was just talking to Raul Marquez about that. Yeah. You know, like, I wouldn't mind seeing a Sergio Martinez against Oscar De La Hoya if, if, if Oscar can stay away from the cocaine, you know. <laughs> you said that, not me. Uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> dude, 2020, anything's possible. We, we could possibly see Oscar and Sergio. We could see Oscar. Raul Marquez really wants to fight Oscar De La Hoya. Personally, I'd rather see that because there's bad blood there. Those dudes haven't talked in like 20 years. They're old Olympic teammates. Uh, I'd much rather see that. But I think Oscar would probably would probably knock out Sergio because Sergio can't plant on that knee, man. He can't move around like the way he used to. So I just, it wouldn't end well. But the girls would love that fight. That's two yeah. handsome guys. Yeah, he's got like one and a half legs, so I'm not really yeah. sure, you know, how he's gonna do on that. But hey, you know, great show. I'm gonna have to call in another time. I'm just gonna, you know, open up the line for all the guys that may want to call too. Okay. Absolutely, bro. Have a good one. You too. All right. Real quick, guys. Super chat pledge from Trent Nonpareil. Thank you so much, Trent. I appreciate that. He says Michael Nunn is coming back at 57. 
against upset man and evil victim Clarkston. Your thoughts, dude? I hate it. I absolutely fifty-seven. Who would sanction that? And who the hell wants to watch that? Now, now in one, there's two things. There's two things. Okay, one. A grown-ass man has the right to live his life however the hell he sees fit. I am a classical liberal in the sense that I believe in live and let live. Whatever the hell you want to do, whatever the hell makes you happy, go for it as long as you ain't hurting nobody else. But in this instance, this man is 57. So if you are a commission, how the hell in good conscience do you sanction that? I just cannot support it, bro. I support him as a human being doing what he wants to do, but people got to step in and say, nah, dude, why don't we do a master's tournament kind of thing or something, put on some headgear, put on bigger gloves, and let's do uh, you know, an amateur fight or something like that. I mean, there's got to be some kind of way we could meet in the middle, right? And then he says, uh, Kitra versus, versus Vaughn Alexander is going to be real good. That is the fight that is, uh, I think, headlining a CBS Sports Network card this Saturday, August 29th. We'll talk about that a little bit in the preview. And a second super chat from Trent. Thank you so much. He says, Ivan Golub has had it tough. He got horribly robbed against Jamonia Clark in 2017 on a PBC card. No televised fight since. Will he make it back to TV? I don't know, dude. I don't know. He's one of those guys that kind of got, um, after that fight, kind of disappeared. And the business of boxing, I think, just kind of got to him. Who represents him? Let me see real quick. I want to see. I know he's out of New York. Yeah, he's one of these Ukrainian guys in Brooklyn. Um, but who is he fighting under? I was training with Andre Rozier. But his promoter is Fight Promotions. I don't even know who the hell he, that is. But he's 5-0 in the World Series of Boxing. Uh, definitely had a decent amateur career. And that one, it was an eight-rounder against Jamonte Clark. That was in, um, man, what undercard was that on? Let me look it up real quick because that was in Toledo. Ah, Robert Easter versus Dennis Shafikov. I remember that. That was like on Bounce TV or some shit. But, yeah, I, his problem, dude, he ain't got a promoter. He ain't got a promoter. He was one of these guys that was brought in. It kind of used by a certain platform to build up a, their fighter. And that happens a lot in boxing. It's it's sad. It's part of the sport. But, dude, these young guys, they got to watch out when they make these deals, man. If somebody throws some money at you and you want to jump right in, you got to be careful with that shit, guys. Let's go to a couple more quick calls. Uh, again, we're going to have a lot of calls on this show, guys, because of what took place last weekend. Um, I promise I'll catch up on news and notes and everything. But real quick, 447. On the show, you're on TNC. Go. How you doing, it's, uh, Nigel from the UK? Nigel, what's up, man? Can you speak up? Your phone is really, really low. Is that better? It's a little better. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Okay. Um, just wanted to call in and uh, just discuss the uh, recent pay per view with uh, Eddie's Back Garden, and um, I understand the excitement about Dillian White's KO. Um, against the Vetkin, but I think a lot of people have not mentioned how good that fight was between Chris Congo and Luther Clay. Oh yeah, that was a very, very, very good fight. I felt, you know, and um, a lot of action. And Chris Congo looked very good, very sharp, and Luther Clay, you know, was a they both put on a very, very good display. They really, really did. So, you know, that was and, that, um, that was a solid card, man. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I thought it was a very solid card, you know. It was like, um, I mean, the first fact uh, fight um, with uh, Zach Chelly, you know, but that was that was good. Very ter- terrible decision, but a good mm. fight nonetheless. Zach Chelly should have got that decision. I should have got the nod, most definitely. Yeah, for Chris Congo, I mean, now he's 12-0, six-foot-tall welterweight, yeah. so he's got big, big height for that division. I definitely think he's a guy to keep mm-hmm. an eye on. Definitely. I will question his um, the way he tries to finish an opponent. It's like he kind of just rushes in. There's not much uh, thought with regards to shot selection, I felt. you know. And uh, the first time he got Clay hurt, you can see that Clay eventually started riding the punches and uh, Chris was just swinging for the fences. You know, I'd like to see a bit more polish in that in uh, in that regard. I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Jim McDonald, I think, trains him. He's he's got to uh, just get him to settle down a little bit. I mean, he's only twelve fights in. I'm trying to think, when did he go pro? Yeah, 2016. So yeah, I mean, he just needs to get him. He also smothers his work. You know, he kind of rushes yeah. in, as you said. He gets kind of. Real, real close at mid-range when he needs to back up and use that great length he has because he has such a gift with mm-hmm. that. He needs to use it more, especially when yeah. he's got a guy hurt. Most definitely. And one uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, how atrocious the Sky Sports commentary was oh during the God. event. I just want to point that out because for, as, that a, was bad. as a boxing fan who's been playing, it was bad. It's like, as a boxing fan who's been buying pay-per-views, for years of supporting the sport and it's like the level how just how bad it is it's atrocious and i really want for, for sky to really address that because it's so biased it's it's you you would think for example you think you'd think dillian white was shadow boxing in the ring because they were pretty much dismissing yeah. um prevent and even yeah do you know what i mean it was, yeah it was terrible what was the same really, with the really, taylor really pearson fight the same thing yeah, exactly it yeah, was, exactly. I, you know, I hate – I don't like to beat up on commentators. I think a lot of fans don't understand. It, it is a difficult job. It's not as easy as it looks. There's a lot of moving parts. It, it, it can be quite chaotic. But the cheerleading yeah. that I heard this weekend, it was really, yeah. really bad. You just cannot defend it. You can't. No, I've, there, were part, there were times when I thought when I was watching – an old HBO broadcast with Larry Merchant shitting on somebody and uh, Jim Lampley patting him on the back for doing it. That's how bad it got to me at one point. It really did. And where is HBO boxing now? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but nonetheless, though, um, it was it was a good card. And, um, you know, I'm, yeah, I just wanted to uh, call and just address those issues there. And one other thing I wanted to mention as well, um, um Top rank recently, going off, um, I've signed some uh, heavyweights with regards to um, FAA Jagba being mm-hmm. signed on. And I also mentioned uh, Tony Yoka, oh, uh, the uh, gold medalist from uh, 2016, who's fl- very much flown under the radar. And I think it's due to the fact that he's, you know, he's a uh, you know, failed test twice right. in his career so far. So that one. Uh, yeah, cause, yeah, I think that's be interesting to see what they do with Tony Oka. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Top Rank has shown before they're they're willing to take on guys that have a checkered past. Uh, with Tony Yoka, yeah. there's a couple problems. Okay, um, gold medalist, like you said. So there was some heat when he went yeah. pro. There was some juice there, but 
He's only yeah. had, let's see, he's had uh, seven pro fights, which isn't bad, but let's see, he had three in 2017, two in 2018, two in 2019. He scheduled to fight Johan Duapas in September, but he hasn't been, um, he's had the issues, testing positive. He's only fought in France. He's got to get on American TV. Uh-huh. He's got to get on UK TV. He's got to get seen in the big boxing uh-huh. markets. France isn't necessarily yeah. a boxing hotbed. So he's got to get out there more. And um, we'll see if he does. But every fight so far has been in France, which I understand. But at some point, they got to get this guy out a little bit in the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely, yeah. I hope so. I really do. I really do. It's like um, he's not as bad as, say, um, Jarrell Miller. But nonetheless, it's... um, it's something that people should be mindful of. Oh, yeah. You know, with regards to, yeah. Especially that early in yeah. his career. It's not like there was a title fight on the line. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's ranked, you know, a top contender. He's doing this as a prospect. So it really makes you wonder what happens exactly. when there's a title on the line or something. What's he mm-hmm. going to do then, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, I just want to say super ha- uh, happy for uh, Joe Smith Jr. as well in his uh, – Beating Eladier Alvarez because um, Joe Smith is a proper blue collar hit, you know, blue yeah. collar, you know, no frills. He just gets the job done. A little bit almost like um, Lamont Peterson, almost like not workman like, without you know being so disrespectful. But you know, no, that's mean? a good just comparison. The job, just in terms of yeah. um, the mentality, just go out there, yes, clock in for work and just go to work. You know, they just it's very similar mentality. Another guy that I put in that same category somewhat is Sullivan Barrera because uh, yeah. Barrera will fight anybody too. I mean, Sullivan Barrera and Joe Smith, who have fought each other, um, I, I like that those guys are willing to fight anybody. You know, look at their schedules. Look at some of the names they fought. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I saw um, something like a tweet on, on Twitter the boxing cesspool that is Twitter. We all love it sometimes. But anyway, um, the, uh, yeah, his, his resume is very, or CV in the UK, is uh, very impressive, I have to say. You look at the names, like you say, Joe Smith Jr. has fought everyone pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I tweeted something out today where I mentioned the six guys he's fought in the last four years. And uh, he, he's lost a couple fights, but the guys he lost to, there's zero shame in that. But the I, six, I can't mm. even think of all six names. It was like Barrera, uh, Bevel, Alvarez, uh, Hart. I, there's a couple other guys. But, like, it's one of the better runs, Fonfara and Hopkins. Those are the other two guys. That's one of the better yeah, runs over good. the last four years in all of boxing. Win some, lose some. But that's a, that's a pretty good resume. Most definitely. Yeah. One more thing before I go and, and let you get to the news and notes. Who is... Out of all the British fighters that you've seen, who stands out for you? Which is who is your like favorite British boxer? I've always wondered, wanted to ask you that. Brit like British prospect or just British active British um, fighter just, or all time? Um, um is it? I said, of all time, of all time. Let's wow, of all, time? of all time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, the man, ones that I, you've uh, yeah you've seen and things of that nature. Yeah. I'd have to think about it, but I I generally believe that Lennox Lewis. And I know he's kind of British, kind of Canadian, but I consider him a Brit. Uh, I, I just think he was probably the best British fighter 
ever. Definitely the best heavyweight, one of the top five heavyweights mm. of all time, possibly. And to me, he's just yeah. the best fighter ever to come out of the UK. But there's a lot of great fighters that have come out of the UK. But Indeed. Lennox, is, he was the man. Yeah. What about the most um, the current active fighters? Current active fighters. Wow, okay. Um, you, you know, give, I think Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor in the next couple years, the thing about Josh mm-hmm. Taylor, he's going to lose fights, okay? He will lose fights, especially when he moves up to welterweight. Yeah. However, I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. I think, in fact, he's going to be in some really great welterweight fights where he he might lose some, but they're going to be great fights. He just has a nastiness to him. There's a lot of Terrence Crawford in Josh Taylor. They have a very similar mean streak to them, and I mean that in a good way. And um, he's had some issues outside the ring. He's said some mean things, and, you know, so some people say he's a – kind of a dick outside the ring, but I'm just talking inside the ring. I think over the next couple of years, man, he's going to be one of those top guys. And he's right to me. I don't quite have him on the pound for pound list yet. He's like number 11, number 12, but some people have him number nine, number 10. I'm not mad at that at all. But if, and when he fights Jose Carlos Ramirez, I I think Taylor's going to win that fight. And then he moves up to 47. He will absolutely be a pound-for-pound guy. But the prospect I'm biggest on, I am all in on board the Daniel Dubois hype train. All aboard that train. Yep. And who's the guy at uh, 75? Uh, Boatsy? He's another one. Yes. He looks real good. Real good. He does. He does, yeah, definitely. Mm, I'm trying to think now. Uh, do we hit all? Do we check all the boxes here? <laughs> you, got, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, fix all the boxes there, man. They're all good. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to say um, thank you for taking the call and um, great show as always. And uh, keep up the good work, man. Appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, brother. We'll do it again, man. Have a good night. You as well. Take care. Thank you. Okay. All right, great call, Nigel. All right, we got one more call. And then, okay, guys, one more call. Then I'm going to get to these news and notes, all right? But, yeah, I figured there was going to be a lot of calls tonight. So um, I love it. Uh, 662, you're on TNC. Go. Hey, Mark, it's Trav. How you doing, man? What's up? I'm saying, what's your name again? Trav. How you doing, bro? Hey, all right, babe. What'd you say? How you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing great. How's things in Atlanta, man? It's going, man. It's uh, hot, but it's getting. It's finally cooling down a little bit. That's so how it uh, is in yeah. that's how it is in Mississippi too. <laughs> yeah, man, Mississippi. Uh, oof. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, a heat, a heat wave. Let me just tell you, heat wave. Yeah, I'm hoping by well, this wanna- time next month it'll be like cooling off. Um, some of the tropical storms yeah. and all that that we've had recently have helped, but this summer yeah. heat here, man, I like, I'm getting used to it, but Holy shit. I don't think I'll ever get a hundred percent used to it. But anyway, I want cold. I, I'm a fan of cold weather. How about yourself? Hell yes. I grew up in Detroit, man. I don't <laughs> mind the cold because you could always put on a freaking coat. I'd much rather it be cold than hot yeah. outside, but that's just me. Like, uh, anyway, I've been wanting to ask you, this has been 
bugging the ever-living crap out of me, but what is the purpose behind Fury Wilder 3? Nobody wants to watch a third fight. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. A lot of people share your frustration. The issue is it's in the contract. So they fought one time in 2018, and it was the draw. Yeah. And then they negotiated He's terms for Van, a rematch. Though, I'm sorry, go ahead. He beat him then, I thought. Fury did. Yeah, most of, well, a lot of people feel... By the way, I know Tim Nick in the comment section is going to go nuts because we're mentioning Deontay Wilder. But um, most people <laughs> agree with you. The, the majority of media and most fans I, in every poll that I've ever seen felt Fury beat Wilder in that first fight. But either way, it went as a draw. So when they did the negotiations for the rematch earlier this year, it's crazy to think that was this year. It feels like it was forever ago. But um, part of that negotiation was that there was a rematch clause to the rematch. And there's a a contract there. So Tyson Fury is contractually bound to that third fight if Deontay Wilder and his team demand it. That's just part of the contract. So they want it. It's going to happen. I'm not renting it. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it does on uh, on pay per view. You know, like it, there's no way it's yeah. going to come anywhere near the pay per view sales of the rematch. It, it just can't, unless they stack the undercard, which I highly doubt. It's basically I look at it as a cash out for Deontay Wilder. I think Tyson Fury will win again, and it's a way for Wilder to make yep. another eight figure payday. Uh, what about this rematch with White and Povetkin? Povetkin doesn't get the get the mandatory now. No, it's um, that's another one where for Povetkin to get the fight with Dillian White, he, him and his team had to agree to a rematch clause, and so the contract yeah. is pretty much owned by Matchroom, Dillian White's promoter, and they want to exercise yeah. that rematch clause. So Povetkin is pretty much bound to that agreement. And the WBC is in no hurry to give uh, anybody that mandatory fight anyway. So the next fight for both Dilly White and Alexander Povetkin is, is going to be that rematch. Yeah. So if Povetkin beats him again is wide out of the mandatory Oh there. yeah. If if well if Alexander let me say this. If Alexander Povetkin beats Dillian White again, I'm not going to say his career will be over, but he'll be it'll be very very difficult for him to come back even into title contention again. If White can yeah. beat Povetkin and show some improvement and do a good job and beat Povetkin, he's back in title contention he would eventually be the mandatory for the WBC title. But that, not that he had this big aura of being this top, you know, this killer heavyweight, but he was seen, I mean, at ring, we rated him number two, which, you know, maybe that was a mistake, maybe not, but we rated him number two right behind, uh, well, Fury's the champion, AJ's number one. We had, we had white number two. He would be, even if he beats Povetkin, he's barely going to be scraping the top five. Uh, so this was a massive, massive blow to his business going forward. Yeah, I was 
I rewatched one of Tyson's old old fights over the weekend. I think it was between Tank Montana. Did you remember that one? Tyson versus Pinklin Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, what do you think about the new Jamie Foxx Tyson movie that's coming out soon? Yeah, I saw that. I think that um, Jamie Foxx playing Mike Tyson, there's actually a pretty good resemblance there. Jamie Foxx I, I'm going to get some shit for this. I think Jamie Foxx is really, really good at impressions. Better at impressions he is. than is he than as an actor. There's a big difference there. But he did a great impression yep. of Ray Charles, right? In Ray. That was a great movie. Yeah, he did a great job. It was a very good movie. He did a great job. So as an actor, eh, I'm a little leery. Uh, Jamie Foxx, I think there's better actors out there. But as, a, as someone who does impressions, you got to remember, he comes from a comedy background where you do impressions. He yep. does an outstanding Mike Tyson impression. So he is going to be the embodiment of Mike Tyson in that movie. And, you know, I, I'm, I'll check it out. I, I mean, I, I'm always 50-50 on boxing movies. You know, I don't know what to think uh, with biopics and stuff because – my thing is, you know, you know me, I'm a diehard. So I know more than the casual fan. So when I go see a boxing film, particularly if it's a biopic on a real fighter, I want to see all the the little details that a guy like me knows. I don't just want the highlights for, for you know, the mainstream. So I'm, I'm very, um, I'm a tough critic with those sorts of movies. But I definitely think Jamie Foxx will do a good job. And from what I've heard, it's going to be very, very well done. So I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Did you ever watch the old HBO Tyson movie with Michael J. White as Tyson? I saw part of that. Oh, yeah, I remember that, but I, I, I don't think I saw the whole thing. I saw like bits and pieces of it, but yeah, I don't remember seeing the yeah. whole thing. Teddy Atlas was in it. That's I mean, funny. Not the real Teddy Atlas, but the, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, you know, I feel like there's been a few Mike Tyson movies, but they've been kind of that B-level movie. So this movie with Jamie Foxx is going to be like an A-lister, you know, big production, studio production. So I think it's going to be done very, very well. So we'll check it out. But brother, I got to get to some other calls, man. We got other people in the queue. All right. I'm sorry about that. I'll call back again. Some other time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Definitely call back. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good night, man. All right. Okay. Uh, I got, I see one line or one call on the line from the UK. Just hang in there for a couple minutes. All right. Uh, Deed 3440 with the super chat pledge. Thank you so much, my man. He asked, what if Derevyanchenko KOs Charlo in good fashion? So if we see kind of the, uh, Older guy sparked the younger guy, right? If we see kind of a Povetkin white situation, um, look, it could happen. The only difference, right, between let's say what Povetkin just did against Dillian White versus Derevyanchenko and Charlo, there are similarities. Derevyanchenko's older, he's been through some wars, he's been beat up, he's been defeated, but Charlo, at least officially, has never lost. Now, some people feel that he should have lost by decision and everything before. 
But, um, or actually, wait a second. That is the Charlo who's, oh, no, no, that's the Charlo who hasn't lost. Yes, he's never lost, officially. He's also never been hurt. So, and, and Derevyanchenko is not seen as a big puncher. Sergey Derevyanchenko just doesn't stop guys. He doesn't hurt guys. So I would just think the odds of that are very, very slim. I think Derevyanchenko is going to have to win a decision to win that fight. And I just, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to get the nod. Okay. So I, I, the more and more, the closer we get to that fight, the more I lean towards Charlo. I really, really do. In both of those fights, quite frankly, I lean towards Charlo. I think their teams have made a very, it's a risk for both of them, but it's a very, very calculated risk, a very, very calculated risk uh, for both of those guys. And particularly with Charlo Derevyanchenko because of everything that he's gone through in some recent fights. And I saw one of you guys in the chat, uh, Stuke Boxing saying, not seen as a big puncher, but broke Triple G's rib. Was that ever confirmed that he broke Golovkin's rib, or is that just a rumor? But was that confirmed? I can't remember for sure. He definitely landed some great body punches, and I think he, he hurt Golovkin to the body in that fight. I think it would be very, very wise for Derevyanchenko to go to the body against Charlo. If he had hunts against Charlo, he will get knocked out. Yes, I'm saying it. He will get knocked out. He needs to go to the body early and often, and then he can really, really get something done. Okay, quick news and notes, guys. Um, let me finish up with it. Benavidez Angulo, that main event from last week on Showtime, averaged 188,000 viewers. I'm talking about the main event, not the whole card. The main event. That's, that's pretty poor numbers. I, I thought Benavidez would do better numbers than that. The co-main had the peak of the broadcast at 245,000. So, uh, not again, these lower ratings are continuing across the board. Frampton Trainer, that card peaked at 427,000. That's right around what the ESPN cards have been doing for Frampton Trainer. Neither of those guys are exactly household names here in the States. Frampton, a damn good fighter, but he's not American, not a household name. Uh, there's a fight coming up this weekend I'll talk about in just a second. I'm going to be paying attention to the ratings of that one because that's a good matchup. Also, uh, Regis Progray signed a one-fight deal with PBC. He will fight on the Tank Davis-Leo Santa Cruz pay-per-view undercard. I thought that was interesting. We'll see if that was a good move for him or not. I like that Reg- Regis is smart. Regis Progray is smart. I like that he did a one-fight deal. So it's kind of like, hey, man, let me see what you guys could do for me. Let me feel this out. Let me do one fight here. And then maybe he'll sign long-term. Smart. More fighters should do this. Okay. I think we have one call. One call in the queue. Let's jump to this. And then we'll do a, a, a quick review, all right? Or actually, we'll probably do a pretty detailed review. All right. Uh, 447. You are on TNC. Go. Uh, hello, Mike. Uh, it's Hamid. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, I thought I'd call in. Because uh, that was an interesting fight the other day in every division. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I saw Kovetkin winning that fight. I didn't make a, like an official pick for either guy because I wasn't confident in either guy. But I did see White get knocked out uh, coming. I seen this fight through the rebass. Uh, I think it's Joseph Park and Chisora. I think he's very fundamentally flawed. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think he's got a decent resume, but I think some people started to overrate him. Would you agree with that or not? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm one of the guys on the ring ratings committee that was on board with rating him as the, the number two contender in the division behind Anthony Joshua. We took a lot of heat for that, and now it, it looks like justifiably so. The reason why we put White in that position, though, is because Deontay Wilder, and we talked about it this weekend, the ring ratings panel, we, we kind of argued about this all weekend. We, we talked about this. Uh, Deontay Wilder lost every second of every round to Tyson Fury in their rematch, and he lost the majority of the rounds in their first fight. That's how he escaped. He escaped with the draw because he got the two knockdowns. I thought he lost seven rounds in the first fight. I scored it 7-5 for Fury in terms of rounds. I was fine with the draw. I really was, but you could absolutely make an argument Fury won eight rounds and should have won the fight. Either yeah, way. I had, I had the eight draw. You had a draw. To, yeah. And his two fights with Luis Ortiz, he was losing those fights. I mean, in terms of rounds in that rematch with Ortiz, he was losing every round practically before his power bailed him out. So the, the, the four fights he had against the two best fighters he's faced, he lost three quarters of the rounds practically and his power bailed him out. Now you look at Dillian White. Yes, he has the loss to AJ, but before the loss to Povetkin, he had a pretty good run. He beat Joseph Parker. That was a close fight. He's, he was hurt that fight. Uh, Rivas, who am I forgetting? Chisora. Uh, there's a couple others. He, he beat a couple of Alenius. solid. Alenius. Who else? I think uh, Lucas Brown. Those Lucas Brown, Brown. Yeah, undefeated Lucas Brown. Now that Lucas Brown victory doesn't yeah. look so good, but at the time he was undefeated and he had just beat Ruslan Shagaev. Now he was on performance enhancing drugs when he did it, but just. If you look at that recent resume and you look at the way Deontay Wilder lost 75% of the rounds in his four biggest fights before his power bailed him out in three of them, uh, we just thought, you know what? At this point, Dillian White has proven a little bit more than Deontay Wilder, and thus we rated White above Wilder. That wasn't necessarily us saying head-to-head we pick White to defeat Wilder. We just thought at the time he had more merits to rank him slightly higher. Now we're going to adjust our ratings, obviously, and bump Wilder back up above White after this loss. But it is, you should, I should note, uh, White was winning the fight before Povetkin caught him. Yeah. But I agree with you. He is fundamentally flawed and somewhat overrated. I agree. I, I don't disagree because Wilder's, I think Wilder's wins are not his resume. Like the guys he's fought, if you include Fury, then those are big names, but a draw with Fury is not a win, and a loss, a one-sided loss, is that's, that, that doesn't go under your win column, but under, if you just look at the wins, Luis Ortiz, I agree, I think he's slightly overrated, and Stavern, I, I don't think that's really better than the guys that White to beat necessarily, Joseph Parker, mm-hmm. Rivas, and uh, they'd all be Stavern, you could argue those, yeah, they'd all be Stavern, be yeah, yeah, I agree. They'd, they'd all beat the best version of Berman Stavern, all three of those guys. Yeah. The, the bad thing is, I think Walder, I've seen a lot of his fans are like celebrated, but Walder, I don't know, Walder, he didn't really beat uh, White. I'm not sure if he would have beaten White, because those uh, knockdowns that Povetkin got hit by, if those landed on uh, Walder, I think White might have had a chance. I, I, stylistically, I think that fight, I'm not sure who would have won. Before, obviously, now 
Waldo will be heavy famous. Because once you get put to sleep like that, like I think uh, in the psychological effect will be oh, yeah. uh, on the back mind of uh, White. But I do think some people underrate White as well. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Povetkin and Waldo. I don't know how you or other people feel, but I think that's still a dangerous White uh, on both sides. I think Povetkin has proven he's dangerous against anybody. Uh, against he gave AJ problems for a few rounds, right before AJ uh, got rid of him. But the the truth is, and the fact still remains, he's in his forties. He's past his prime. He's not the guy he once was. And if Vada testing's involved, he really isn't the guy he once was. I hate to say that, but it's true. And so, look it, again. Like I, I said this earlier in the show. When White and Povetkin fight again, I'm going to favor White to win that fight. So, to yeah. me, you know, the example you brought up, uh, Deontay Wilder versus Dillian White, because right now everyone on Twitter, because everyone just goes off of what happened last, everyone on Twitter is saying, oh, Deontay Wilder would decapitate Dillian White. Deontay Wilder has one way to beat Dillian White. That's with a straight right hand. If Dillian White could avoid his straight right hand, he could defeat Deontay Wilder. The difference with White is he could hurt you with a left hook. He could hurt you with an uppercut. He dropped Povetkin with a left hook and an uppercut. Uh, we've seen him hurt guys with right hands. So I think White would have a few different ways to hurt Wilder. But Wilder has never been slept. White has been slept. Big difference. I think Povetkin, I still, I know Povetkin would probably have been the favorite in 2016. I know the PDs and all that, but if you... If you just talk about just the fight and they both cleared to fight, uh, I think that's on Povetkin would be a favor. Right now, probably Walder might be the favor, but I still oh, yeah. think because Walder is so flawed, uh, all Povetkin needs to do is get in range and land the left hook or uppercut. Because I, I was there when he knocked out Price on the undercard, and hmm. I, I wasn't too far from the ring. I was even saying he might actually beat AJ. After I rewatched the fight on TV, I, I did see him losing a step, and I thought AJ had the size advantage over him. But uh, I think Povetkin proved that he's a top five heavyweight. Uh, Absolutely. I think there's a gulf between him and Luis Ortiz, uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Povetkin's light year is better than Luis Ortiz. And I'm not trying to bash Luis Ortiz. I just think he's... You look at his accomplishments. His career-defining win is Bryant Jennings coming off a loss. Coming off his first career loss to Vladimir Klitschko. That's who... That's his best win. So I think Luis Ortiz is a little overrated. I think Luis Ortiz is a top 10 heavyweight, but he's at the, you know, the lower, close to the bottom of the top 10. But the fact that he outboxed Deontay Wilder for much of the rematch, I think it says a lot. Now, Wilder was just setting a trap and looking for the one punch. But Luis Ortiz versus Povetkin, I think you'd have to favor Povetkin at this point. I think most people would. Yeah, that, that'd be a good fight. I, I wouldn't mind seeing any of these guys fight. But I do think Agreed. there is a level between uh, the top two guys and the rest. I know Wilder, on any given day, can knock anyone out. But if you're just going by the guys that fought, resume, Povetkin, I think, was a better fighter about five, six years ago. He, he's obviously not the same guy, but he's still a top five guy. I think there's AJ and Fury, and then there's, I think, there's a gap, and then there's the rest. But... Even Agreed. those guys, I think, are beatable. I'm not saying they are beatable, but I, I do think there is a gulf in class between those two and the rest. But thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. And Thank you, Alex.
Have a good one, brother. Yeah, I, I agree with Ahmed. I think that it is Fury and Joshua, and then it's the field. And you might see on any given night a guy like Deontay Wilder obviously could ice you with that right hand. And the one thing Wilder has shown is he is tough mentally. You know, a lot of guys in that fight with Fury would have capitulated, and he wanted to keep on fighting. So he showed he's got that toughness and that dog in him, uh, which that that's invaluable as a boxer, particularly as a heavyweight, where you could get hurt with one punch. So uh, I think Wilder has that. And on any given night, he could ice Fury, Joshua, any of them. At the same time, so could Povetkin with a left hook. So could Dillian White with a left hook. There's several guys there that have that X factor, that danger factor in them. But the two top guys right now in the heavyweight division are clearly Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. All right, guys, let, let me review these fights, okay? Um, wow, we're an hour and a half in almost. I haven't even hit the review. So Saturday, August 22nd, Matchroom Fight Camp, Brentwood, UK, on the zone. Alexander Povetkin improves to 35-2-1 with a TKO5 win over Dillian White, which really should be a KO5. There's no reason to put the T in front of that KO. Wins the interim WBC block. I'm not even going to get into the stupid titles. Who gives a shit? Here's, let me just give you guys some punch stats. White landed 63 of 167 punches, 22 power shots. Povetkin landed 34 of 175 punches, 18 power shots. So, White almost doubled the amount of punches landed. And jabs, he landed 33 jabs to just 12 for Povetkin. He landed 30 power punches to 22 for Povetkin. In the end, none of that shit mattered. It just took one. Just took one. And it was a beautiful move from Povetkin. He kind of lunged in and jabbed to the chest, shifted to the side, repositioned very, very quickly, and shot an uppercut right through the guard. And White fundamentally was a little squared up. Back was kind of to the rope. Well, not to the ropes, but close. And he was a little squared up. Had he shifted and moved with Povetkin, when Povetkin moved, the uppercut wouldn't have hurt as bad, or at least he would have seen it coming. But because he stayed stationary and flat-footed, Povetkin was able to get the superior angle and shoot that uppercut. Never saw it coming. Lights out. White had been the top-rated WBC heavyweight for over a 1,000 days. Crazy. Crazy. And it all goes down the drain with one punch. Now, White has been a sympathetic figure in the eyes of some because, uh, you know, the WBC, it was kind of a similar situation at light heavyweight with Adonis Stevenson, where Edladir Alvarez was the mandatory for 5 billion years. It's kind of a similar situation, except Dillian White kind of let his ego get the best of him. And there were chances where he could have taken fights, but it would have been a co-main instead of the main event. There were chances where he could have taken fights, but he would have had to take a pay cut. Was not willing to do that. Was not willing to make concessions. So he turned down some fights. He did test positive for banned substances more than once. And he's talked a lot of trash. So when this happens to someone that's talked a lot of trash like that, Heavy wears the crown, right? If he got the victory, then it backs up the trash talk to some extent. But taking this L, dude, now all that's all that trash that, that you talked is going to come back and haunt you. And that's what's happening to Dillian White right now. He's eating a lot of crow. He needs to just own it. I didn't like the way he left the ring after the fight and didn't do the post-fight interview. I thought he should have hung around. Even if they wanted to do medicals on him real quick, 
I would have been like, hey, man, I want five minutes to do this interview. He should have done that. Him walking away like that, don't like it. Uh, Povetkin down twice in round four, and then the huge knockout in the fifth. Hey, guys, I thought about this. I actually did a radio segment last night on AM Talk Radio in Los Angeles with Dave Smith. I'll post that clip on my channel uh, either later tonight or tomorrow. And I talked about the fact that in boxing, more than any other sport, one punch can change an entire scenario. More like you think about, and I'm going to use this analogy again. I used it last night on the radio. New England Patriots, Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl a few years back, right? This was the greatest comeback in NFL history. The, one of the greatest comebacks in American team sports history in a championship. The Falcons were up big at halftime. I want to say it was like 20, 30 points, something like that. And then in the second half, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and the Patriots come back and they win. Amazing. It was amazing to watch that. Even if you're not a fan of the Patriots, regardless of how you feel about them, just seeing what they were able to do, it's like, holy shit, this is amazing. But it took place over like an hour. By the time you had one whole half of football, of a football game play out, all the commercial breaks and all this timeouts, it was like an hour. In boxing, you get all of that truncated into a split second with the left uppercut. That is what makes boxing different from every other sport. And nothing in sport compares to the knockout. Nothing. The greatest slam dunk you ever saw from Michael Jordan. The greatest home run you ever saw from Mark McGuire. Whatever. It does not compare to the knockout. The knockout is the pinnacle of excitement and drama and humanity in all of sports. And this TKO5 win for Opovetkin, that was an example of it. Also on this card, Katie Taylor, unanimous decision win over Delphine Pursoon in their rematch. The first spot was last June. Disputed decision went to Taylor in that fight. This, to me, should not be disputed. This was, of course, for the Undisputed Lightweight Championship. Pursuit was super busy. I get it. She was all over Katie Taylor. But boy, was a lot of that. Guys, it's supposed to be effective aggression. Most of that aggression was not effective. Most of it was actually ineffective. If you really watch that fight, a lot of pressure. I like the pressure. But she smothered her work. Wasn't always effective. It was effective in spots. But over a two-minute round, I would say Katie Taylor was controlling the real estate for a minute and a half of it, right? I thought Katie Taylor was much more accurate and landed the better punches. In fact, if you look at CompuBox, and I know CompuBox can't take it as gospel, Taylor was more accurate in every punch category in the rematch than she was in the first fight. Guess what? Pursuing, exact opposite. Less accurate in every punch category in the rematch. So uh, let's see. Yes, uh, pursuing power punches, 23% she landed in the first fight. She landed 15% in the rematch. So even Taylor, or even Pursuing after the fight, admitted that Taylor won. She admitted that in the post-fight interview. So guys, those of you talking shit, and it seems that there's a growing animosity swirling around Katie Taylor right now, that people don't like what she does, kind of becoming Canelo-esque, Lomachenko-esque. I don't know why, but I'm seeing just a lot of hate directed at her i thought she won this damn fight i really really did and some people were comparing it to mccaskill beating cecilia Brekus. similarities of course there are parallels but there are also major differences i thought that um mccaskill's aggression was much more effective 
in the fight with Brekus. She made Brekus fight her fight for seven of the ten rounds. And that wasn't the case with Taylor and Pursuit. Just not the same fight. Okay, top rank uh, on ESPN+. Plus. This was on the plus. Joe Smith Jr., KO9, Edladir Alvarez. I thought that the commentary crew was being a little unfair to Joe Smith early on and giving Alvarez a little too much credit. But around the third, fourth round, I started to finally catch on to what was actually happening in the ring. What was happening in the ring is Joe Smith was just wearing Alvarez down. Hang on one second, guys. He was just wearing Alvarez down, putting a lot of heat on him, a lot of pressure on him, smothering some of the punches, but getting a rat. Uh, Alvarez had a high guard, but it was up front. So Joe was wrapping the punches behind the guard, and he was getting some work done to the body, and he gets the stoppage in the ninth round. Brutal stoppage. So he's definitely a top five light heavyweight. I think Joe Smith has been a little underrated, but Fanfara, Hopkins, Barrera, Bevel, Hart, and now Alvarez. Lost two of those fights, won four of them. When he wins, he wins pretty big. Never been stopped. He's fought with a broken jaw twice and never been knocked out. So this dude's durable, and he, he's in amazing shape. What a work rate. So he's a damn good fighter. Now, if he fights Artur Baturbiev, he's going to get a beating, an absolute beating. He's not on that level. He's just not. He's a notch below that. But he's going to get a crack at the WBO title. You fight, if you get involved with top rank and ESPN, you're going to be in line for a WBO title at some point, okay? So he, he isn't promoted by top rank. He's promoted by a star boxing, Joe DeGuardia. But there's a partnership there with top rank, I think, right now <clears throat> as part of the deal to fight Alvarez. He'll be back on ESPN again soon. He'll fight for a WBO title, and he'll win it. So he will be the WBO light heavyweight champion this time next year. And he'll, he will have earned it. Also on this card, Julian Rodriguez scores a TKO1 win to improve to 20-0 and with 13 knockouts. New Jersey-based, 140-pound prospect, uh, 25 years old, 2013 Gold Glove champ. Biggest issue with him is he had a 22-month layoff due to a shoulder injury in 2017-2018. Only one fight in that span. Kind of delayed his career. I don't know. I wouldn't call this guy a blue-chip prospect, but he's someone to keep an eye on. Also, Rob Brandt and Clay Collard got W's. Now, I like Clay Collard. I do. But he's had two giddies in a row, two layups. And the ESPN top-ranked hyperbole machine is starting to kick in now with Clay Collard. It's starting to annoy me. They need to pull back on that shit. They were talking about, like, oh, this guy, I think Tim Bradley was like, this guy could be a superstar in a sport. Get the fuck out of here. I like Clay Collard. Hard-working guy has earned what he has. He deserved a layup or two, okay? He has been the prospect killer. I love his activity, but let's not get it twisted. He's not at that level, dude. Pump the brakes, okay? Pump the brakes. I just, we don't need the extra promotional stuff. Leave that out and just show the damn fights. PBC on Fox from Los Angeles. Sean Porter scores a unanimous decision win over Sebastian Formella. This was a welterweight title eliminator. How crazy is it that this went the distance? I, I had the feeling that if Terrence Crawford was in the ring or Errol Spence was in the ring with Formella, it wouldn't have went the distance. I'm not saying it would have been an icing, like a one-punch knockout kind of win, but it would have been a ref stoppage, uh, ring doctor stoppage, corner stoppage type of uh, ending. 
But Porter landed over 300 punches on Formella, over 200 power punches on Formella. Not a scratch on the kid. Crazy. Sean Porter has zero power. And this is a guy that fought much heavier than welterweight in the amateurs. And I think he wrestled and stuff, uh, amateur wrestling. I want to say as high as like 160 or something. So you would think you just have power, but it's because of the way he throws his punches. He doesn't turn over on them, doesn't put his legs into the shots. It's all arm shots. And that's why against the absolute elite level welterweights, he's always going to come up just a little bit short. You got to have enough stank on your punches to keep the guy off. And he just doesn't have it. That's why he's just never going to get over the hump as an elite level welterweight. That being said, he's clearly a top 10 welterweight, hardworking guy, awesome person. Him and his father, Kenny, are great people. And I like him a lot, but he's just never going to be on the level of an Errol Spence, a Terrence Crawford. Like, he's just never going to be on the level of those guys. Okay, let's see here. I think, yeah, a couple of you guys in the chat are saying the same thing. Uh, Carlos Cabrera, Porter has no power. Twall1999 says, uh, Porter is strong, but he can barely crack an egg with his shots. Sports Talk with Troy says, Porter doesn't have the power that Spence and Crawford has. Yeah, exactly. At the top level as a pro... You got to have that power, man. Got to have that power. It, it's, it's just, it can bail you out in bad situations. Like we've seen last Saturday with uh, Povetkin. Now, Povetkin has the skill to go with the power. And then we've seen someone like Deontay Wilder, not necessarily with the skill, but with the power. That's bailed him out of some bad situations. So in the pro ranks, it pays to have a heavy punch, man. All right, let's preview what's coming up this week, guys. Uh, we've got fights Several different days. So Wednesday, August 26th, ESPN Plus, is they have two different cards. First of all, they picked up <clears throat> an MTK Global show from Yorkshire, England. Not the best show, but if you want to check that out, cool. But Jeff Horn versus Tim Zhu, junior middleweights from Australia. Now that's going to be fun. I'm actually interested in that one. I want to see what Tim Zhu has. I think Jeff Horn is going to be a really, really good uh, kind of place setter. Uh, we'll, we'll see where he fits in. If he dominates Jeff Horn, whoa, we might have something. If he struggles early, learns in the middle rounds, and then overcomes him late, oh, we got something. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. You know, I want to see Jeff Horn versus Tim Zhu. That's going to be fun, man. Friday, August 28th, Telemundo card from Kissimmee, Florida. Saturday, August 29th, there's a club show from Biloxi, Mississippi on CBS Sports Network. That's the one that Trent Nonpareil in the chat was talking about earlier with Keytrev Alexander. That's going to be a fun main event. That will be a pretty decent card to check out. But we also have three other cards from London, Queensberry Promotions, ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+, Plus is a big week. Daniel Dubois fighting a guy out of the Netherlands, a last-second replacement, Ricardo Schneiders. So Schneider's is going to get knocked the F out. But Danny Dubois staying busy, doing what he needs to do, lining him up, knocking him down. No harm, no foul. Kid's still a prospect. He can fight this level of opponent as much as he wants if it's a stay-busy fight. We all know he's supposed to fight Joe Joyce either later this year. I think it's still supposed to be later this year. That's the fight we all want to see. But until then, you want to keep busy against this level of opponent? Hey, man, no problem with that. No problem with that at all. And then PBC on Fox from Los Angeles, Irislandi Lara versus Greg Vendetti and Alfredo Angulo versus Caleb Truax. And that's supposedly 
a junior middleweight title eliminator. I don't know why. So Irislandi Lara is going to win and Caleb Trax is going to win. That's not a very good card. The PBC on Fox schedule is pretty, pretty bad. PBC on Showtime schedule, pretty good. Let's see. Chris Bergen in the chat says October will be Joyce versus Dubois. Well, there you go, man. Thank you so much, Chris, for correcting me. Yeah, I thought it was later this year. I just couldn't remember the date. So if Danny Dubois wants to stay busy and fight this guy, good for him. Good for him, man. I see no problem with this. Nobody should bash this level of opponent when he's about to fight Joe Joyce in two months. Also this weekend, from Las Vegas, the bubble at the MGM Grand. Top rank on ESPN. Uh, ESPN Plus, sorry. This is a good fight, man. The main event, this is a good fight, guys. I think it's taken like three or four times for it to finally come together. But Jose Ramirez going up against Victor Postal for Ramirez's uh, unified WBC and WBO junior welterweight titles. I like this matchup. This is going to tell us a lot about Ramirez. Postal is no joke. He's a good, solid veteran, been in with some good fighters. The only guys who beat him, he was outboxed by Terrence Crawford in 2016 and by Josh Taylor in 2018. He had moments against Taylor, but uh, Taylor, to his defense, was very young uh, in that fight and still inexperienced. So here's why I'm confident Ramirez is going to look really good in this fight. His last fight was against Maurice Hooker. Now, Hooker's 5'11". How tall is Victor Postal? 5'11". And Hooker's arms, his reach, are longer than Postal's. His reach is like 80 inches, something crazy. Postal's is 73. He's also 36. He's been in some uh, some long distance, you know, tough, grueling kind of fights. This all works out to Ramirez by late TKO. I see several of you in the chat agree with me. Several of you in the chat agree with me. I think that, uh, look, nobody has stopped Postal. So if Ramirez wants to make a statement, this is the time to do it, man. Get in there, grind on Posto, wear him down, stop him late. I don't expect a one-punch knockout, nothing like that. Ramirez isn't that kind of guy. But he could wear him down and force a corner stoppage or something like that. I think that would be a really impressive statement from Jose Carlos Ramirez. And I think, again, everything's lined up here for him to do that. That on paper, he really, really could do that. All right, guys, let's take one more call. Then we're going to wrap it up, man. It's been a long show, but I expected it. We had a great weekend. We got another uh, 447, another UK call in the house. You are on TNC. Go. How you doing, Mike? It's Chris Bergen. Chris, what's up, man? Doing well. Uh, I'm good. Good, good, good. Yeah, I just want to ask about... Um, I was very interested with the white Povetkin fight the other night, and... Uh, I remember being in the bookies in the UK, and uh, I think it was 2016, and uh, I put a bet on um, Wilder to beat Povetkin when they were supposed to fight. So my question to you is, how do you think that fight would have gone? That's a good question, man. Um, yeah, at that time, I, I was, ugh, that was tough. That was a tough one. I thought that, Wilder had a chance to land a big right hand and pull out that fight. I'm trying to think. That was probably a year, not even a full year after he beat Berman Stavern the first time yeah. for the title. And he looked really, really good in that fight, just working behind his jab. And I thought at the time that he had a, a good chance to just stay behind the jab, 
and occasionally drop a right hand down to keep Povetkin off of him. And I think at the time I was favoring Wilder to win by decision. A lot of people thought it was nuts, but that's what I was going with at that time, which in Russia would have been nearly impossible, right? But um, now looking back, 2020 hindsight, and knowing, you know, Wilder has some chin issues. We didn't know that at the time. He has kind of deteriorated. His, His boxing skills have regressed. He uses the jab less. He hasn't boxed as well as he did in that first Stavern fight ever since. He sets his power up better, but man, I think Povetkin would have definitely beat him back then. Just in terms of rounds, I don't see how Wilder, if he boxed just like he did against Stavern, he could have won rounds. But if he got lazy and sloppy and fought the way he fought against Ortiz or uh, Fury, I think he would have lost to Povetkin. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was I was on the uh, Wilder hype train back then, yeah. and then like you said, he has you know he has regressed and he's got worse in in every fight he's been since then, and um, you know there's probably a <laughs> probably a bad bet that I put on back then, but I got the money back because obviously Povetkin failed the drugs test, so right. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because we'll never really know. I mean, Povetkin ended up failing two drug tests. And there are a lot of people out there, strangely enough, that defended Povetkin and went after me when I just reported about it, honestly. Uh, That fight falling apart, that was not Deontay Wilder's fault. That was 100% on Povetkin. No, yeah. You know? So um, for people to go after Wilder, I remember there were people saying he was ducking Povetkin. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't. Yeah, because um, he was in the UK, so. I believe, training. I think he had relocated yeah, yeah, to the UK. So. Yeah, yeah, I know he lost a lot of money from from that. Did anyway, he not sue Povetkin for that? Yes. Yeah, that's what it was about, because it was about, hey, man, we spent money. They didn't want to train in Russia. They were uncomfortable training in Russia, but they kind of met in the middle. It's not exactly the middle, but, you know, they, they went to the UK to get a little bit of a time adjustment and they were going to train there and they had already relocated there and started camp. So uh, that's part of why they sued. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like forever ago now. (laughs) I know that was only four years ago, but it feels like it was a decade ago. It really does. (laughs) I've got a five-year-old child now. So yeah. Oh man. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Time just does that, man. It just keeps on going. Absolutely. So, yeah, can I can I ask one more question? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, my favorite fighter at the minute is uh, a new A. I think he's just unbelievable. Oh, well, a new A and Lomachenko, those two, my two favorite, amazing. Um, and uh, I've got some friends at work who are massive UFC fans, and I've been trying to talk them into watching boxing recently. So, the guy that I wanted to show them was uh, a new A. I said, uh, check this guy out. What, what do you think? Just to look at the guy, and they were like, oh, you know, he's a little skinny guy. He can't do much. Showed him the videos. These guys are now, like, all in on the Inoue hype train now. So That's great, man. They're, they're, uh, they're going to be watching some more boxing. And uh, my question is, is when, when's Inoue next going to be fighting? I've not heard anything for ages. I, I haven't either. Yeah, it's unf- I want to see. Let me look it up real quick. I want to see if anything... Because I can look at the schedule here. Um, 
Yeah, there's just nothing I've really got there. these guys interested now. <laughs> yeah, that that's unfortunate. You know, he's in a he's in a tough spot because before COVID, he was slated to face a damn good opponent early this year. I want to say like April, I think it was in Vegas. That was going to be a yeah. great introduction or reintroduction to the American fans um, for him, and I think it was going to be his first fight with top rank. But all that blew up, so it's it's unfortunate, but. You know, fighters like Inouye, who I who I, I do think is special, and of course Lomachenko, who we know is special, those are the kinds of guys that can bring fans to the sport, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I think you did the right thing by suggesting those two fighters, you know? And, um, hopefully, now, the uh, Lopez, uh, the Lomachenko-Lopez fight, that's going to be, is that going to be pay-per-view over there in the U.K.? Uh, I doubt it. I, I won't. I wouldn't pay for it. Pay per view, to be honest. Yeah, because it's it's regular ESPN here, so I don't know if it's going to be regular Sky over there or Sky pay per view. I I just can't remember. I'm not sure. But I think Lomachenko usually on regular Sky. So I man, I really hope it's regular Sky. If it's on regular Sky, then they did it right, and there's a real chance for him to kind of start to break through a little bit with this fight. And for Teofimo Lopez, you know, um, that would be awesome. If it was regular ESPN and regular Sky, that would be great. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Also, another another guy that uh, I'm very big on, uh, Josh Taylor. I know you you spoke to another caller about him before. Um, You know, I put him probably about nine or ten in the the pound for pound. Um, So... He basically, what has he got to do to get into that top ten for you? Is he just he has to beat Ramirez? Yeah, and, and again for me, because I think we have him in the top ten uh, at ring, or we have him real close. We have him real close. But so so if somebody has him in the, in the top ten right now, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just have him just outside of it. I'd put somebody like Pacquiao or somebody in for just because of his overall body of work above Taylor. But yeah. if he beats Ramirez. The winner of that fight, the, the eventual fight between Taylor and Ramirez, that guy is in the top 10. And depending on how they win, they might be top five. We'll have to see. But yeah. clearly top 10. Yeah. That's going to I can't wait for that fight. Let's hope it happens. <laughs> I, I really think it's going to happen, man. I, I think um, I think Ramirez postal obviously is happening this weekend. And then Taylor has a mandatory. He was supposed to fight. I think it's a tie fighter. And that got pushed back, but he'll fight him. And I think early next year, those two are going to fight, and probably in Vegas, which would just be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, the, the Ramirez postal fight, I mean, that is an under-talked-about fight, really. That's going to be a great fight. I agree. I think postal is a damn good challenge for Ramirez. He's going to do some learning on the job. But I definitely think – I favor Ramirez. I think he's just – it's all lined up for him to win, and it's going to be a fight that uh, makes him a better fighter, you know? I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I mean, hopefully he beats Postal, and then hopefully for me, Taylor beats him, and then I want to see Taylor versus Terrence Crawford. I think that's a fight that I want to see. It, it's absolutely in top ranks plan. So – don't be surprised, regardless of what happens between Ramirez and Taylor, if they fight each other, both of them might end up fighting Crawford at 147. The thing is, top rank is invested pretty heavily at 140 pounds. 
And it, it wouldn't be out of the range of possibility. You know, they might get Regis Progray eventually, but even if they don't, I think it's very possible that over the next couple of years, two, three years, you see Terrence Crawford fight Taylor, Ramirez, and Progray. So he's going to have opponents coming up. Are we still going to see the pro-gray hooker fight, do you think? Yeah. I, I think that – I don't know about this year. It is possible late this year. But it, whether it's late this year or early next year, I still think that's going to happen. Uh, hooker from Dallas. He's from Dallas. And uh, pro-gray lived and trained out of Houston for a long time. So he's um, – you know, he is from New Orleans. And he – I think he briefly lived in L.A. and then moved back to Houston – so he considers himself a Houston guy, and um, that will be a really great, you know, Texas kind of rivalry. That fight should happen. That's such a great division, so hopefully we see that fight, because that's yeah. a great fight. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cheers, Mike, for taking my call. Good to All meet right. you again on your new channel. <laughs> All right, brother, we'll do it again. Have a good night. Definitely. Take care, man. Speak All right, you soon. too. All right, there he goes. Uh, Super chat pledge from Carlos Cabrera. Thank you so much, Carlos. He says, Crawford is the only pound-for-pound guy without a big win. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, He doesn't have that signature win, you know, but um, it's it's really not on him, you know. Um, At 140, he fought all the top guys. Just 140 just wasn't very strong when he was there. He's more than willing to fight the top guys at 147. They just don't want no piece of him. Edward R.K. in the chat asks, who do you favor in Ramirez Taylor if it were to happen next? Shout out from the Ukraine, Michael. P.S. Postal is a live dog on Saturday, in my opinion. Uh, I agree, Edward. I, I think Postal absolutely is a very live dog. You could make an argument that he's gonna he's overall the best and most proven opponent of Ramirez's career. You can make that argument. And um, so it, it wouldn't shock me to see Postal win. I just, I'm favoring Ramirez. But I kind of want to wait to see how Ramirez looks against Postal. But right now, I, I, I slightly favor Taylor against Ramirez. Slightly. But I might change my opinion on that. Let's see how Ramirez looks against Postal. Let's see if he could show some growth and some uh, development with his skills. Um, same thing with Taylor, too. But Taylor just seems to really have that dog in him, man. And I think that is such a valuable asset as a fighter. I really, really do. All right, guys. That is it, man. What a freaking show today, huh? Whew. What a show. Two hours of TNC. Two hours of TNC for you guys. Awesome calls tonight. We had a great guest, too. This is one of the best shows we've had here in a while. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see Tim Nick's comments uh, on YouTube here in the comments section. He's going to be so mad about Deontay Wilder. Anyway, guys, uh, have a great week and enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll do it again next Monday. See you at the fights.